97.3 ESPN, WENJ, WENJ HD, Millville, Atlantic City. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. So, on a day where baseball can't get out of its own way again, I refuse to talk about it to start this show. Unfortunately, there's a reason for that, and something has trumped it, and it's not a good reason. Uh, Brandon Brooks, breaking news last night. Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles, and he is out again um, with an Achilles tear for the season, and he will miss the entire 2020 season. Uh, even last year, Broads, he got back in like an inhumane amount of time. He got back in nine months off an Achilles tear last year. Uh, but even nine months, if he flew back and got back in nine months, that's not bringing you back this season. He will miss the entire 2020 season. He confirmed it last night on Twitter. And now you really have a story with the Philadelphia Eagles because, oh, you got to go get Jason Peters, and here we go. Um, it's very interesting on what the Eagles do. We have an article up now at 973ESPN.com with a couple of options. Uh, but really, where do you look now? I mean, do you just stay in-house? Uh, Peterson said today, you know, they're going to look in-house, but they're going to keep all options open. There's a couple of free agents that are out there. But this is a huge blow. Have you seen some of the numbers with and without Brandon Brooks? They haven't won a game without him. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is crushing. This is... This is uh, brutal. And the stat that you're mentioning now, I believe I saw from Zach Berman, it says in Brandon Brooks's four years in Philadelphia, the Eagles are 41 and 23 when he plays at least 50% of the offensive snaps. They're 0 and 6 when he's out or plays fewer than 50% of the offensive snaps. So, yeah, I mean, that's really telling. He is a, a lethal weapon on the offensive line. And We've been sitting here talking about this lethal offense, potentially, with Deshaun Jackson and Rager and Miles Sanders and Zach Gertz. And guess what? All of that doesn't work if you don't have the big guys up front doing all the dirty work. Yeah, and Brooks, of uh, all the big guys up front, he might be the best in a lot. I mean, he might be the best in the entire league, regardless of offensive line position. Many people regard him as the best right guard and maybe even the best offensive lineman. Uh, in football, and it's many times like the guards don't get the credit they deserve sometimes, uh, but when it comes to grading offensive linemen out, he's typically in the top five, in regardless of offensive line position. Uh, so the Eagles got a big hole to fill there, and now, of course, everybody turns right to Jason Peters. And my first reaction to that is, you know, Jason Peters has never played guard before. Never. He's never played guard ever. So is he the first guy that you turn your attention to when you are looking to fill this position? Or do you just say, you know what? Matt Pryor played there last year in the playoff game, played pretty well in that game. He wasn't terrible. Now we'll have the whole, hopefully, if you get a training camp, he'll have that to kind of work his way to be the starting right guard. You stick with Pryor. You got Jake Driscoll or Jack Driscoll, I think, in the fourth round of the draft. You've got a couple of guys like a Nate Herbig. You've always got these undrafted guys uh, that no one's ever heard of, and they kind of all comp compete for that. Or do you go out of the organization and bring a veteran in? I know Larry Warford's a name from the Saints. Uh, he's been a starter there. 
he got released as a salary cap casualty. That's why the Saints actually ended up cutting him. He started there, uh, has been a pro bowler. So do you go get a guy who has a resume at that position? Do you let a bunch of young guys fight it out at that position? Or do you go get a guy in Jason Peters that you're comfortable with who's never played that position? I think you're going to see them stay in-house and, and give Matt Pryor the opportunity to kind of call it his job if he does so. Now, another name that I saw, which was very interesting, was Kyle Long because he did retire. And then we know his brother obviously spent some time here and loved it. And he did retire, but it's not as if it was a confirmed, hey, I really want to leave the game. It just kind of worked out that way due to circumstances. But I think the proper move is to kind of go with the young guns in-house at this point and see – what, what they can do because, look, the the line is getting older. Lane Johnson's 30. You got Jason Kelsey where every single year we contemplate if he's going to retire or not. You got Brandon Brooks now banged up for the third straight year. He's not going to be here this year, and he's on that side of 30 as well. You don't know what you have in Andre Dillard, but you draft him in the first round. Like, is it time to maybe – start changing that offensive line because they are getting older. Is it time to kind of transition with youth at that position? I mean, I hear your point, but if I have Brandon Brooks, uh, I'm going to keep using him. Somebody texted in earlier during Josh's show and said, you got to cut him. I'm thinking to myself when I heard him read it, I almost fell out of my chair. No, I'm that, thinking, that's absolutely absurd, Gil. Did you not watch the guy play last year? Well, he's got an Achilles for the second year. Yeah, and he came back last year, and he was still the best guard in football. So he's done it once. Yeah, it's frustrating that he's going to miss this year. But a big point about this, and this is where the fans just irrationally make ridiculous comments, you know, he has a contract. You can't just cut the guy with the contract he has. The Eagles are kind of backed into a corner with this Brandon Brooks contract where they can't just cut him. They can't say, well, you know what, you're hurting, you you know, you're dead to me now. No, I mean, Brandon Brooks has a deal uh, that pays him uh, $7.5 million dollars. And it looks like he's a free agent next year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how the whole thing works out with the extension. I mean, I, I think that they could get out of it at some point. It's definitely not where you have to work until the final year of it. I mean, no NFL contract has really worked that way. So, yeah, I mean, it, there is some sort of option at some point where the Eagles can get out of it. And, and yeah, this coming says, off of another Achilles, I mean, do you think that that's in the cards? Well, that's interesting because his age is 30 years old, so he's not old, but he's not a young guy. I mean, he's not in his early 20s just getting into the league. He's 30. But most times, like an offense, he could probably play another four or five years at that offensive guard position at a pretty high level. So I don't think the Eagles are going to make a rash decision to do anything with Brooks in terms of, um, you know, moving on from him just because he got hurt here. But I definitely think they have... As Brooks is one of the best at the position in the league, they have options here. They are not completely left out in the dark here looking around and being like, uh-oh, what do we do? They do have options. Yes, they definitely do. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. If they went with Andre Dillard, and then you have Isaac Sayamalo, Jason Kelsey, Matt Pryor, and Lane Johnson, I mean, you can win football games with that as your offensive line. The biggest concern for me at this point is what happens if one more lineman goes down? And that's where I'm really concerned, and that's where I'm intrigued by the whole Jason Peters thing. We took Vitae for granted. 
We laughed at him at times. Oh, he stinks. He's not able to do this. I mean, Vitai will get ripped apart at times. Could you imagine if Vitai was sitting on the bench at this very moment? You'd slide him in. You feel comfortable. You'd be ready to rock and roll this season and not really blink. Brooks signed an extension. He is not a free agent until 2025. So the, the, the site that I was on did not update his new deal, which means this year he was making... 1.2. 1.2. Next year, he's making $10 million, and they have a potential out in 2022 when he has a three-year, $30 million extension and a dead cap number of $8.9 million. So in 2022, he makes $13 million. 2023, he would make 11.6. And 2024, he signed for $13.4 million. So this year and next year, they cannot get rid of him. It's the out potential out would be in 2022. Right. So you pretty much have him for the next two years and that money is guaranteed. So you better hope that he pulls a little miracle card that he did last time and he's able to play for that following season and play at a high level. Yeah. And I don't have any, you know, he's done it before. I know here. And now is it the same Achilles? I have not heard that. No, it it is not. It's the other leg. It's the other one. And now if you've seen the video of Brooks, as many people have, he was like kickboxing and he was in some ripped shape. Apparently he had lost about 20 pounds and he was shredded up, ripped and looking like he was ready to go for this season. Because if you remember, he was rehabbing the shoulder injury that he suffered last year that caused him to miss the playoff game. So he was rehabbing that injury, getting ready for this season. And that's where he tore the Achilles. Now, Someone texted in asking how did it happen. I I haven't seen what he was doing or what happened as to why he tore his Achilles or how he tore his Achilles. But unfortunately, uh, it's the opposite leg now of the Achilles. And I don't know if that's better or worse than tearing the same one again or doing the second one. But if you saw the way that he played last year coming off the Achilles injury from the year before and he came back in nine months, you should feel pretty confident that at least he knows what he's doing to get back here. Oh, yeah, if there's one guy that you trust who can be able to come back in some crazy time or play at a high level when he returns, it's that. I don't think anybody's questioning if he's going to be able to put the work ethic in and rehab the right way because we've seen it so many times with him. So I think it's more just it stings so much for this year. And as I mentioned, you you lose Vitae. I said you wouldn't blink an eye at the right guard position. Of course, it would not be the same if you had Vitae in over Brandon Brooks, two different players, but you would feel way more comfortable with Vitae is what I was getting at because he's at least a a, a decent backup to have at that swing position. And now – you got to go with Matt Pryor, who you saw in one playoff game, who did not do bad, but that doesn't mean he's going to be able to actually play for 16 games without having some sort of trouble. And once again, we still don't know what Andre Dillard's going to be like. No, you got to essentially assume there's going to be a drop-off at that position, right? You're definitely assuming that you're getting a drop-off at the right guard position. Now, your options are, you know... Again, you go outside the organization and bring in a guy like a, a Warford who has been a pro bowler. Um, you mentioned Kyle Long. He's an interesting name. Now, he is technically retired, but apparently if you Google him right now, there are reports that says he's ready to come back and play essentially already. So that retirement didn't last all that long, and he's a pretty good one. He was with the Bears. His brother played here. Yes, Chris Long's his brother. So I would put him right at the top of the list. Ronald Leary is another guy who I think people probably have heard of out there. But Larry Warford would be the guy. If you're going outside the organization, he would be the guy I target. 
Kyle Long, if he says, I want to play, all right, I put him right at the top of that list too. Jason Peters, I don't know. What do you do in that situation? He's never played guard before. Do you bring him in and put him at right guard? I mean, he's never played guard. Now you're going to put him not only at a position he hasn't played, but you're going to put him on the right side, or do you put him at left guard and then move Isaac Sayamala to right guard? So now you're moving, essentially, Sayamala from a place that he started at and moving him to the other side, and you're putting Peters at a spot that he's never played before. Now, if you know anything about um, Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach, Broads, he don't like to move guys. We've had this conversation many times over the years. When a guy gets hurt, he would rather just move one position than move two positions. So do you bring Jason Peters in and say, hey, not only are you going to play a position you never played before, you're going to play on the right side of the line, which you've never played before either. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, he doesn't like moving multiple guys around. That's definitely a known fact. But I was thinking, if you are going to bring Jason Peters back, I think the way you would do it is is put him on the left side, keep him on the left side, and let him play guard, and then you would move Isaac over to the right, even though I know they don't like to do that. The, the thing is, I mentioned the age of this line. Now we're talking about bringing back Jason Peters to play left guard, and you add to this old crew yeah, but that I, you just yeah, but can't that's bet only, on him to stay healthy. That's for a, This is a one-year – This whoever they get for this spot is a one-year deal. Oh, no doubt, but I'm just saying what if – what if Jason Peters three weeks in gets injured, and then you know if you bet on him to play left guard, I just don't know if it's something that you can truly bet on. Well, then you with go his age. you go back to Matt Pryor. I mean, in right. that You'd situation, have to it all over you're again. bringing Peters in as hey, he gives us the best shot. He's the best player. I don't know that he's the best right guard, but he's just the best overall player, regardless of position. I mean. I don't know. I've never he's never played guard before. I don't know. How do you just sit and say, "Hey, this guy's going to be a great guard." He's never done it before. But I mean, and how many times have we seen a guy you know, go from the left side to the right side and struggle? Now, Vitai has played tackle and he played it pretty well. And then he moved inside to play guard and he did that pretty well. Now, people didn't like Vitai. People are so judgmental. Vitai struggled when he wasn't the starter. When you threw him in in the middle of a game, admittedly, he struggled. But when he was the starter, he was fine. You won a Super Bowl with him as your starting left tackle. The guy can play in this league, okay? If he is the starter, he is an average to good starting player. He's not great, but he's not terrible. But do you just bring Peters in and say, go play right guard and figure it out? I mean... It's hard to have him there on your team and say you're not my left tackle. I no, I agree with you completely. I I don't think you just throw him on the right side though. And we are talking about a guy though who he wasn't a left tackle from the jump either, and he turned into a Hall of Fame type left tackle. So if there's anyone to do it, maybe it is Jason Peters. I don't know. Well, oh, you're talking about because in college he played tight end. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, but he I mean, primarily he was a left tackle forever. He primarily played left tackle his entire career in the NFL. Oh, right, yeah. But I mean, you're talking about someone who's wasn't a left tackle and then became a left tackle, and then now you're talking Hall of Famer. So yeah. if there is a guy that can do it, maybe it's him. But do you think it's possible? And and I don't know if it is. It does seem like a far stretch. Real quick, Broads, he did play right tackle in 2005 for Buffalo. Okay, he played, well, how about that? So he had some right-side experience. He did play right tackle back in 2005. It says he played ten, uh, started 10 games as a right tackle and 
every other year he was a left tackle. Now, what if Jason Peters was – because I mentioned if they if they lose one more lineman at this point where they are now without picking up anybody else, it's going to be really scary. I mean, I am very nervous for that situation to play out. So is it possible that Jason Peters gets signed to be the, the, the swing guy that we kind of talked about before this injury where we really said, no, there's no way? I mean, now that this injury happened, does that open the door for him to play that Vitae role now where if one guy goes down – maybe he will step in and, and be the dude who kind of goes where needed if an injury happens. If Peters is willing to do it. Which I don't think is the case, though. That's the thing. I mean, he definitely had other options, you would assume, to at least play other places without being the position that I'm talking about now in the swing guy. Yeah, I mean, I think Peters wants to start. I don't think he wants to be the swing guy. I do think, okay, I do think – that Peters, if you remember, there was some rumors back a, you know, a little while ago that he was willing to move to play guard if the Eagles needed him to play guard. So, and, th- and that's the case right now. Right. I can, if I'm the Eagles, I look, okay, they definitely pick up the phone and call Peters and say, look, are you comfortable playing right guard? And he might say, yeah, obviously, of course I am. Then it comes down to how much are you willing to, is he willing to do? Do you have to pay him less? Do you get to pay him less? Because, well, you're playing a position you've never played before. We're not going to pay you to be a left tackle. We're going to pay you to be a right guard. I doubt this comes down to money when it's Jason Peters. I mean, there's just too much mutual respect when it comes to the front office and him. I I doubt they're going to play the baseball game on us. I know you didn't want to bring it up, but I doubt they play the baseball game on us when it comes to JP and Jeffrey Lord. I would think that, right, Lori and Peters have a good enough relationship that you don't have to worry about it, but they do have some cap issues, and do you wonder if it's just like, hey, you're not a left tackle, you're going to be a right guard, you're going to get paid a little less. I mean, that's all. And he might, is he insulted by that, or is he just, you know what, I'm excited to come back and play a new position. This could be, you know, a rejuvenating, not that he needs to do that, because I think he can come back and play left tackle and be fine, but... What it also does is, in the case that Dillard got hurt, it gives you a huge boost in that spot to move Peters back out to the left guard, and then you bring Pryor into the guard, uh, left tackle, and then you have So it definitively gives you more depth at two positions. That's a great point. I didn't think about that if Dillard was the one to go down. I'm thinking about all the older guys, right? A Jason Kelsey, a Lane Johnson, even a Jason Peters, but it never really crossed my mind that, well, what if Andre Dillard goes down? And and that's a really good point with the whole Jason Peters thing. That's an easy slide over to the left side and and do your job. So, yeah, wow. I mean, that would be that would be helpful. I just it, it comes down to is he comfortable playing the guard position? And if so, does it have to be the left side? Does it have to be the right side? I mean, that's th- those are the type of questions that matter. And I would think, I would assume that Jason Peters would be excited for this opportunity, even if it's not the left tackle position, just to know that, look, there's a starting job. And it was obvious that he wanted to start. And it was obvious that he loved Philadelphia. So here's an opportunity to start in Philadelphia. It just might not be at the left tackle position. And that's where it, it goes on JP if he's comfortable doing it. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Your thoughts and reaction to hearing that Brandon Brooks is out. I mean, you gave the numbers, Broads. It was from uh, Zach Berman. Zach Berman from The Athletic. They haven't won a game when he has not been the starting right guard in his tenure here. I mean, that's 
That's pretty telling. It's almost like the Lane Johnson numbers. When Lane Johnson doesn't play, this team just doesn't win. Uh, and you don't understand how important that right guard position becomes once he's out. And last year, they played that playoff game without him. Now, I thought Pryor did a nice job. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hey, I watched every snap and I know exactly. But I don't think I remember watching that game saying, oh, my God, there's so much pressure coming from where Brandon Brooks was. No, Matt Pryor actually did a good job, and he actually finished the Giants game, too, because I believe the injury to Brooks happened around the second quarter, and he, he had a, a a play, I remember, by the end zone where he totally demolished one of the uh, one of the Giants, and it was just it was on display. I mean, the broadcast put it in slow-mo, and it was just a destroying display by Matt Pryor. But is it are we satisfied with what he did in that game and a half because we didn't have high expectations, or is it because he's actually a good right guard? And and that's where you know the the question is at this. Yeah, moment. I don't really know what to think of Pryor because again, he's had such limited amount of reps. But I don't think that he is going to be a Okay, he's not going to be Brandon Brooks. Let's say that. Is he going to be better than bringing in a guy like Larry Warford? Warford last year was the 30th rated guard from Pro Football Focus out of about 90. So he's, you know, top 30 in the league at that position. He just fell off, though. Like, if you if you compare that to what he was when he was unbelievable, it's a drop-off. But at the end of the day, when you have a huge hole in that spot – is it worth taking that chance? I I think, well, one of the things Adam Kaplan said on Inside the Birds yesterday when they did their little emergency pod about this is they're going to pretty much study tape on these free agents out there, and they're going to relate that to what they see in Matt Pryor. And if they think it's an upgrade over Pryor, they will then target some of these free agents that are out there. But if they think Pryor can do the job, well, then that's something that they're going to have to look at as well. And I don't see a flaw in that mindset at all. Let us know your thoughts, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. Doug Peterson today uh, acknowledged that, hey, yeah, we're going to look around uh, internally and uh, we're going to keep our options open. Tonight at 5.30, we'll talk to former Eagle left tackle Trey Thomas. I'd like to ask Trey, hey, what if someone called you and said, hey, do you want to go right uh, move to right guard? Like how um, – now, you wonder because Trey, if you remember Trey Thomas – Built a lot. Like when you look at Jason Peters, Jason Peters almost looks like he should be playing guard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. He has a more, you know, um, roundish, you know, if you will, kind of uh, figure. He just leaves, you know, 6'4, 328 pounds, but he doesn't, you know, he looks more like a guard. Where Trey Thomas, if you remember Trey, when he was in his playing days, he was a lot taller and leaner. You know, six seven three sixteen. Like he looked like. You know, we had the long, uh, lankier build where Peters has the like. I don't. I couldn't see Trey Thomas going inside and playing guard. Peters, I can at least see like his body type handling the guard play. But I'm interested to see what Trey Thomas says tonight. He's doing uh, these. Uh, you know, the what is he calling it? Trench talk. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yep. He does inside in the trenches. In the trenches, he's doing now. And uh, he studies offensive linemen and kind of breaks these things down. And he already did a full breakdown, and he's going to share that with us tonight at 5.30 right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. So make sure you stick around tonight for Trey Thomas. We'll get his thoughts on the Eagles there. We're going to hear from you guys next because as soon as this injury happened, we posted the Anytime Hotline number, and we got reaction from the fans out there, the listeners out there, 
about what they thought. Now, was there a lot of positive, negative mix? What'd you get? Oh, it, w- it was definitely negative. I mean, people are unhappy. The-, the thing that cracks me up is, why does this always happen to the Eagles? Well, it happens to every team. You just don't care about the other team. This happens all the time, right? I mean, I love that reaction. Why us? Sports it happens Bash everywhere. Bro- Sports Bash brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Give them a call, 800-947-AUTO, online, geico.com, or stop by the Geico office near issue. Mike and Broads, when we come back, uh, we'll play the anytime hotline call. Bottom of the hour, Sports Pass 97.3 ESPN at Mike Gill Show at Broads 81. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody. It is a Tuesday, and of course, Cape May County has the top-rated beaches with ample space spread out in Cape May County. Enjoy fine dining, shopping, hiking trails, and more. Make some memories just down the road in Cape May. For more information, visit online at escapetothejerseycape.com. I was driving around today. Saw a lot of outdoor eating going on already. People taking advantage of being able to eat outside at the restaurants. I hope people are getting out there and supporting the uh, local businesses while you can. Be safe. Get it done. Keep these places up, operational and open. I know a lot of these places are coming up with some really cool ideas to do outdoor stuff. They're kind of doing some unique and expanding things. I've seen and heard a lot of the restaurants of like what they've had to do to try to get people uh, because they still can't go inside and eat, so the places are, you know, figuring out ways to get seating outside. Hopefully, the municipalities work with these businesses, and uh, you know, can even create more room if you have to shut a street down for a couple hours a night to let them have more seating. So it was good to see, but uh, obviously, a big story today: this Brandon Brooks thing. When it, when I saw Brooks tweet it last night. He kind of confirmed it like, hey, you know, what you've heard is probably out of the bag. I didn't hear anything. I saw his tweet, and I was like, huh? You ever see Yeah, that? I didn't hear anything either. I'm I'm walking around big lots after work, getting some little things or whatever, and I get a call from Mosher, and he's like, hey, man, we got we to gotta get on this emergency podcast. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I, I don't even know what you're talking about. By the and way. And then he hit, me, he hit me with the news. I almost fainted. Right now on our website, somebody is on our website from Calgary. What do you mean? I'm looking at where the people are listening or watching or on the website. Somebody is in Calgary right now. Do you know anybody in Calgary that could be consuming this program as we speak? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm good friends with John Gaudreau, who plays for the Calgary Flames, and we have a buddy who lives with him when he's out there. I just don't know if he's in Calgary right now, and if he is, then possibly he's tuning in. Might be. I'm just, I was pretty, I was like, wow, there's somebody just popped up on the screen. Like one listener, Calgary. I'm like, somebody in Calgary was like, hey, you know, let's listen to the sports bash right now. Well, maybe, look, there's so many diehard Calgary Flames fans out there. Maybe some of them did some research on Johnny Gaudreau, realized he's from South Jersey, and then typed in South Jersey Sports Radio, (laughs) and then clicked 97.3 ESPN. There we go. All right. Uh, but I, I thought that would be interesting. I was like, oh, Calgary. No, that's very interesting. Who do we know in Calgary? I don't know anybody in Calgary. Maybe they wanted to check up on the Flyers talk, and they don't, they don't know nothing about football. Who, who's Brandon Brooks? What the hell is going on down there? Brandon Brooks is probably the most important player on the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, especially with Jason Peters not in the mix. You know, well, let me ask you this real quick. What if Jason Kelsey was the one to get hurt? Would you argue that maybe because it's the center position that maybe Jason Kelsey is the most important player on that offensive line? 
Because your set, your backup is is who? Is it Herbig, or would say Malu slide over and play center? That's a good question. In that case, what would they do? Would they go with an unknown guy like Herbig and or move say Amala there, and then you're going with an unknown guy, probably Matt Pryor at left guard. Yeah, that would definitely shake some things up. But either way, both are extremely important. But I was just curious, maybe it is Jason Kelsey, who is just a little bit more important just because he's the ball handler there. So, I mean, and the center is always the most important guy because he's the continuity, and he's the best center there is. So to lose the best center there is, even though he's not the best player on the line, he might be the most important guy on the line. All right, let's get some reaction uh, on the Anytime Hotline. These are your phone calls. We took some of the best ones uh, from last night. Once the news happened, we posted the number and uh, got some of these reactions from the listeners. There's death, there's taxes, and there's always the season-ending injury for the Eagles before the start of the year. So it's good that we got it out of the way. It breaks the monotony of the COVID-19 talk. What irks me besides, of course, the loss of the talent of Brandon Brooks, is the way that it happened. He got hurt running. Running. I mean, that that crap only happens to the Philadelphia Eagles. I was a little surprised during free agency that they didn't go out and add one veteran lineman, and now it's coming to rue the roost with this injury. I know people are on the Jason Peters train, but... I mean, I guess he's going to be the obvious choice, but I wouldn't trust him to play four quarters, let alone a full year. I think the pendulum swings to Matt Pryor. I think he's right. I th- Well, I'm 50-50 on this. I think if Peter says, I'll do it, they will bring him back. And I don't know of any reason to believe that Peters would say no. So I think... That while prior, if they don't bring Peters back, is the choice inside the organization. I don't think they're going to bring a free agent in. And really, to me, it comes between somebody in the organization already or Peters. I don't think they're going to go out and get a Larry Warford or Kyle Long. Unless Long was interested in, in coming and taking a, a a sweetheart deal. But I, I think it's really between prior and Peters. I would have to agree. I think that is the way that they're going to approach this. Maybe... Just maybe Driscoll, without any grass time, shocks the world and takes it from prior. But I really do doubt it. I will say, though, the Eagles do a good job at drafting linemen. They really do. They pick linemen late in the draft, and they find ways to utilize them. Say Malu, I believe, was a third-round pick. Vitae, he was picked later in the draft as well. I mean, they do a good job at drafting late guys, and Driscoll was a fourth-round pick. Maybe there's a way that he can be utilized. I mean, I don't expect him to only because with the COVID-19 and the rookie stuff, you don't really have an opportunity to learn as much as you normally would, but they just they do a good job at drafting linemen for as much crap as we give Howie for J.J. Ortega Whiteside and, and Nelson Aguilar. That is a position that I do have a little bit of trust in, so maybe there is a, a diamond out there that can step in and at least hold their own. I mean, that's really what we need is someone to just hold their own for right now. Well, one thing with Driscoll, keep in mind, he was a right tackle in college. So yeah, he, he has played on the right side, but he really didn't play guard. And now, as you just mentioned, no mini camps, no training camps, potentially. You're going to ask a guy, hey, welcome to the NFL. Swing inside and play right guard. I, I, I don't. He's not. First off, they've got prior. They have a guy who's played there that played the position well. He's just not going to be Brandon Brooks. That's all. He's not going to be Brandon Brooks. But 
He's not going to be an abomination, you wouldn't think. Driscoll, just a wild card. Is Peters better? Does Peters bring you closer to the level of Brooks is really what you got away. Right, and we talk about Jason Peters playing that right guard position. It's possible that Matt Pryor could be better at that right guard position just based off being more comfortable there. We, We talk about Driscoll being a wild card. Isn't Jason Peters essentially a wild card at right guard as well? Absolutely, but... You're taking into account, I guess, that here's a guy who is a Hall of Famer. That doesn't oh, mean he, just because he's a Hall of Famer, he can switch positions. That's like saying, hey, you know, you've been a defensive end your entire career. I need you to go down and play defensive tackle. You're not going to be as good of a tackle that you were as an end. I mean, your body type is different. The skill set's different. You know, all of it's different. You don't just say to I don't know how many guys – I can't really think of many or any off the top of my head here. If anybody wants to text in and help out, who's played tackle and was like, hey, go play guard all of a sudden. And it really like, you know, a Hall of Fame. You might be a lousy left tackle and then you moved inside because you weren't good enough to play tackle. But how many guys were good enough to play tackle and then changed to play guard and excelled? I I can't think of many, if any at all. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's not a very common thing. So this whole scenario is is just absolutely wild. And uh, at least the positive is out of all this. Well, and here really isn't many. It's this might the be, timing of it. This might be a bad example, but I'll give it anyway. Is Danny Watkins, who the Eagles drafted in the first round? He was a total Busteroni in 2011. And I used to do the show with him. You know, the Danny Watkins show we did uh, every you know week. And he would tell me all the time about he never played guard before. And not only did he never play guard, he never played right guard. He was a left tackle in college. And the Eagles moved him to right guard, and he used to tell me all the time, I don't know why they play me at guard. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never played there before. Now, mind you, he had very little to zero football IQ. You know, he was from Canada. He didn't play football growing up. He just happened to be this big guy that someone said, hey, you should try football, and did it. And that's why he was older when he got to college, and he was older when the Eagles drafted him. But he had no football IQ or no football background. But he always kept saying, I played left tackle. That's what I feel comfortable. And he said the Eagles were the only team at the draft that viewed him as a right guard. And, of course, that's the place he landed. And he was terrible. No, I wonder why they did that. Like, why would the Eagles value him at that position if well, if no other team was? And he obviously wasn't good there. I mean, what was their reasoning behind it? If at that you point? went back to that draft, people were looking at him as a um, as a as a guard because of his his um, his build. He had short arms, and you know, typically short arms don't make good tackles in the NFL because you got to get your arms extended to get out there and block. So he was a stronger guy. They thought he was going to be a better interior. He wasn't a great athlete, so they thought he would be a better, like a mauler. Like, once he got his hands inside on you, that he was going to be, you know, be like a mauling type of guard, like a road grader. And that didn't work out because he just could, you know, and I only asked Trey Thomas about this, the difference between a left-hand stance and a right-hand stance. Watkins just told me constantly, I, I'm just, I can't figure it out. Well, that's, it seems 
Well, that's the thing. It seems as if it would be so simple. You're an offensive lineman. Just block the guy in front of you. But there's so much involved with the technique and when you get off properly and using the right foot. You know what I mean? Like, you're totally switching your stance and how you're getting off the line of scrimmage. That's so big. It it sounds so silly that, hey, being on the left side or right side, how could it be that much different? It it is so much different. It's a lot of footwork. Absolutely. But half a second is the biggest difference in the world. I mean, you're talking about an explosive DN coming at you. It, it's more than half a second that's the biggest uh, difference in the world, or less than half a second, I guess you would say, is the biggest difference in the world. All right, let's listen to another uh, call here. Yo, bros, I think this confirms the season's done. The season's down the toilet. I predicted before it was 0-16, but I heard the NFL added another game to the schedule, so 0-17. That's a solid 0-17. Brandon Brooks out. We lost. We have no chance of coming back, no chance of winning a single game. It's unreal. Carson Wentz, you know, he's going to tear his Achilles as well. Just uh, everyone, everyone tear their Achilles. Uh, Achilles. Oops, sorry. But, you know, you know what? If we had uh, Ronald Darby... Malcolm Jenkins, if they were here, we'd probably go like two and seventeen or something, or two and fifteen. You know what I mean? But because Brandon Brooks tore his Achilles, we just lost the season. What can I say? He was a, a star in our locker room. He's a leader. We have no leaders left besides Fletcher Cox, of course. But you know, he's going to tear his Achilles too. Everyone tears their Achilles after one player tears their Achilles. It's a common fact. I'm a doctor. Thank you. Goodbye. Too, like, many white, too many white claws, Gil. Yeah, I was going to say, sounded like a guy who uh, took advantage of the outdoor seating. Are you kidding me with that? I mean, he was obviously just being one of those. But do, do you think that there are people who literally feel yes. that way? I've seen, feel people, that way. I've seen people who's re, who, who have already said, Brooks is so important with him being out, season's over. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You actually, you said the hotline was fantastic last week at the end of last week. How do you feel now after hearing a phone call like that? He was all over the place, couldn't get the amount of games right. So far, 0-2. He mentioned Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby as some locker room leader. I mean, I feel like this guy doesn't even watch football. All right, here's another. You know, Broads, I just don't get it. We are literally undergoing a pandemic. And we are in quarantine. And Eagles players still have horrible injuries. I, I'll never, I, I tweeted this out. I never get how the Eagles have the worst luck with injuries. I, I, I don't get it. We are literally in quarantine and we lose one of our best offensive linemen for the year. I, I am speechless. I, I don't know what to even say. <laughs> Gentleman's perplexed. He says, I don't know what to say. I find it compelling that he decided to pick up the phone to call and leave his opinion and had nothing to say other than the fact that, yeah, the Eagles do suffer a lot of injuries like many teams in the league, but they have constantly gone through this, man, and it's high-level players. It is frustrating. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think if you look around the league as a whole, you see players get hurt in OTAs, hurt in training camps, and we just don't care about it because it's not the Eagles. Like, I understand that the last couple of years it's been a little crazy with how many injuries, but I just think that that's football and it's unlucky at times. Like, there are people who are targeting the medical staff. Keep in mind, isn't this uh, the, the, the Eagles recently – definitely change their medical staff. I mean, why is it the medical staff's fault that a fluke injury like this happened? No, I mean, I can't blame the medical staff for this. Can you? I don't even think the new medical staff is in place yet. 
Exactly. That's my point. You have people freaking out about this new medical staff. It's like, what do you want him to do? I mean, Achilles just happened. It's unbelievable, though. I'm not look. I'm not taking that guy's side by any stretch of the imagination. But I will say the frustration of, oh man, you're excited about this year and what it could bring, and then all of a sudden the guy that is your best offensive lineman, he's not even going to be a part of it. I mean, that's frustrating. It's like losing Deshaun Jackson in the first game last year. Well, you read my mind. I was going to say, if you lost to Sean Jackson yesterday, do people feel differently than Brandon Brooks? Because it's it's different in terms of the offense, but Brandon Brooks is so important. The big guys up front just don't pop as much. I think we'd be screaming more if it was Deshaun. I think they are more equipped to... Um, they are more equipped to handle this Brooks injury, especially with when it happened, because they have a lot of options to fix it right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's enough time to figure it out. All right, I have another call from the Anytime Hotline on the other side. I can't listen to another one right now. I can't do it. But Doug Peterson today talked about Alshon Jeffrey, and he might have opened the door for something. Stay tuned for that. Frank Close on the baseball disaster. Disaster. That is happening at 3 o'clock. Andrew Checo, football of four. More on this Brooks injury and what could the Eagles do to replace him. Nate Boyer today at 4.30. We'll get his story on how he was involved with the Kaepernick kneeling. That's at 4.30 today. Trey Thomas tonight. MGPT Top 5 at 5. Father-son duos in baseball. Days from 2 to 6, South Jersey's number one sports talk radio show on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, we'll play another Anytime Hotline call. How do the people get on the Anytime Hotline? If people are out there saying, hey, I want to call and I want to leave a message on the Anytime Hotline and I want you guys to play my reaction, what's the number? 856-442-9805. The 24-7. Anytime hotline. Yep. We're going to be implementing that more throughout the shows. You guys can, uh, we have questions that we will typically post that you can react to. We'll do that on Twitter, uh, at Broads81, at 973 ESPN, at Mike Gill Show. We'll post a number. You can call, leave your message. We'll play and react them on the Anytime hotline. Now, I got another one here that I got to play. The last guy. See, there's a reason why you, you can't just let people spout off all the time. You get incoherency, and I can't handle that. I'm getting older. Incoherency makes me feel older, even older. You know? Absolutely. So I'm going to try to give this guy a chance here. See what he's got. All right, let's get another uh, call on the Anytime Hotline here. Uh, see what the people think. I'm devastated. I'm hurt, to be honest. It's a huge loss, obviously. I mean, you could argue, I mean, that he right now is probably the most, like, probably the most important uh, piece to our line right now. I mean, the guy doesn't allow anybody test him, like nobody. Like, yeah, like, it's going to be a big loss, and I'm hoping they can figure out something to replace him. I'm just praying to God that uh, we can overall, you know, recover from this and uh hopefully we don't have a lot of injuries across the board but uh losing brooks i mean that is a huge huge setback all right rational i mean just felt like uh he literally felt distraught you could hear the how distraught he was in his voice but not irrational 
No, not irrational. I will say, though, a lot of these calls, when I posted this, it's like, yo, go over there, call in. It's it, it's almost as if they weren't able to really process, okay, what's next yet? They were still in that shock mode where it's, all right, we don't have Brandon Brooks. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? If we had another phone call today where it's, hey, let's hear what you think we could possibly do next, I think you would have different reactions. But that's where you know the news broke within five minutes prior to those phone calls. So that's just people almost in shock as if, what are we actually going to do at this point? They didn't have enough time to almost comprehend the loss yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, see, the first thing I thought of, like last night when this happened, you know, DiCecco writes the story, and then Paul Bowman, who does like some utility work for our website, he wrote the story, and I said, hey, do some additions of who's available. You know, that's the first thing my brain's thinking is, all right, who's available? Not how much losing Brooks hurts. That's factored in as well. Losing Brooks hurts, but who's available? Whereas the fan sounds like the first thing was the punch in the gut got them. Oh, yeah, the punch in the gut definitely got them. See, I go, you go who's available next, which is is a totally reasonable way to go. My brain goes, "Uh uh-oh, what happens if they lose another one? I skip over the who's going to step in and perform next, and I go right into the, oh, no, what happens if another man goes down? Now who's going to be available? I mean, who who's available? Imagine if Jason Peters is not in the mix and you, you lose another guy on the line. See, what still, do you do at that point? I think the Eagles, again, I hate losing Brooks. I'm not downplaying losing Brooks, but I think they're more equipped to lose him than other places. They have prior. I'm, I'm comfortable with he's not going to be as good as Brooks, but he's not terrible. They can bring Peters in if they really want to go that direction, and I think Peters will give them you know, uh, an honest effort there and be fine. They can go get a free agent like Larry Warford or one of these other guys. There are options here. So you're not at, like, when you lost to Sean Jackson last year, you were not equipped to lose him. There were no way to fix that. You are equipped to fix this this time. And I'm not saying you're going to get a better player than Brandon Brooks. You're not. But you're not going to be so unprepared to play a season because he got hurt now. No, that's fair. You need to find a steady Eddie, if you will. Someone who's just going to be able to hold his own. That's all. Just be capable out there of not getting destroyed every play.